And now our reading today from 2 Samuel, the first chapter, verses 17 to 27. David intoned this lamentation over Saul and his son Jonathan. He ordered that the song of the bow be taught to the people of Judah. It is written in the book of Jashar. He said, Your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not to Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, the daughters of the uncircumcised will exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor bounteous fields. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul anointed with oil no more. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, nor the sword of Saul return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul who clothed you with crimson and luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain upon your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anders. And thank you, uh, Praise Band, for setting the tone for uh, this uh, solemn service. It's not an easy service to talk about. And as I turn off my alarm at 8.56 to pray for revival. um, Yeah, it is not not an easy passage to discuss today. If you have not received one of these cards yet um, and a pencil, the ushers have those. We're going to invite you to come at the conclusion of the service to share something over which you grieve and lament. Uh, So uh, it's important to have the card if you so desire to come forward uh, to be honest with God with what you are, are dealing with at this moment and at this time. Our nation does not lament well. We do not publicly grieve very well. As Eugene Peterson in this book about David talks about, he says, we as a country uh, distract or deny uh, that we have a grief. But we do. We grieve. And as uh, the great uh, Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann says, Grief is a time of disorientation where we suffer loss like death or we suffer a a national tragedy and we uh, feel disoriented because if something has gone on in our life, there is a change that happens and it's disorienting to us. But so often in, in our culture, in our time, we numb we escape, we hide. And as Peterson says, we become empty shells with a smiley face painted upon it. We have personal griefs, personal laments 
And we have Greece as a country. We have uh, so many things that are disorienting right now in our nation, the change in the culture, the, the things that are going on in the world, the dividedness in our nation right now. It's all disorienting. And we don't know what to do with it. That's why it's good to learn to lament. Maybe one of the reasons, one of the reasons that the fastest growing segment of our population in terms of religion are the nuns and the duns is that the church has not been honest with what is going on in our lives and in our world and in our nation. And we have every reason as people of faith to be honest because we lament, we grieve as people not without hope. Problem oftentimes is in the Christian culture of our day is that, well, we get to the hope before we take time to lament. It's like so many folks on, on Holy Week. They come to church on Palm Sunday and they show back up on Easter. And what lies in between that? The cross, Good Friday. In order for us to receive the good news, we have to be honest about the hard stuff the bad news. Lament is very much a part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. Depending on who you talk to, well over a third of the Psalms in the Psalter that David wrote are laments. So the language of David oftentimes was one of heartache and sorrow and pain. And if that is true, if David is a person after God's own heart, then he is echoing the heart of God. Part of the language of the divine is lament. For we see in the words of the prophets, the words that are given to holy men and women of the complaint of God, the, the anguish of God about what's going on with his people, God's world. Prophets even today. This isn't easy stuff. This is hard. This lament stuff is something, as I said from the outset, we in our culture would rather avoid. But it isn't through lament that we gain a new perspective, a God-oriented hope, a hope transformed by God through lament. This is going to be hard. It's not easy. But it's in the honesty that we gain true hope. Not a candy land hope. Not a false hope. A true hope. The text for today comes from a time in the history of Israel where the armies of the nation are utterly defeated by the Philistines. It's a horrible battle for Israel. They are beaten badly on the battle of Mount Geboa. Saul, the king, and Jonathan are slain. It's a personal tragedy for David. For as the text said, someone he loved dearly, whose love for him was better than that of anyone, is killed, Jonathan. And it's a national tragedy, a public tragedy, because the leader of the country, Saul, is dead. We grieve, we lament because we love. David loved Jonathan. It's personal 
friend, dear to him like anyone else. And we grieve. We are sad because we have loved, right? And to deny our grief, to deny our sadness in the midst of our pain is, well, it brings about death into our lives. And to tell people to just move on quickly after a loss is not only dishonest, it's hurtful. So when people are in pain, as David is, the best thing that can be done is to honestly share what is going on, to absorb that pain so that hope can come. For it doesn't, it invites death. There's a story that comes out of the city of Chicago about a reporter receiving a phone call from somebody. He says, I've got a news story for you. It's about my own suicide. And the man quickly hangs up the phone. The reporter tries all that he can to track down the caller. But when he finally finds out who it is, a man named James Lee, it's too late. James has taken his life by suicide. When his body is discovered in it, a pocket is a rumpled piece of paper with a piece of artwork from obviously a little girl. On the back it is written his daughter Shirley, who died just a few months prior to that in a fire. And a few years before that, James Lee lost his wife. He had to invite strangers to his daughter's funeral. He had no one to share his grief with. He had no one to lament to. And because that his grief was born alone, he could not share with anybody or felt like he could not, well, he sunk down in the depths of despair and took his own life. Friends, David is showing us that lament is the way forward in our grief. He lost someone, as he said, a brother that was dear to him, wonderful to him. His love was exquisite to him. And now this dear friend is no more. Some believe that Psalm 13 was written by David after the loss of Jonathan. And it's here on the screen, and I'll read it to you. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear in pain my soul and sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I'll sleep the sleep of death and my enemy will say I will prevail. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'll sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully to me. David, grieving the loss of someone lost in battle, someone who, an enemy who has taken from him a dear loved one. But it is through his lamenting, it is through his sorrow that he can able lift up this prayer to the Lord. He can share what is in his heart. In a, an exquisite memoir written by Ann Brooks, she shares in her testimony of the sudden loss of her husband. She says during the six months in which she wrote that after her husband's death, she said she could tell the limits of her endurance. She says that 
it was interesting when the grief would come. And like I was in a store and I'd look and want to share something with somebody and that person was not there and the tears would come. I'd be riding along listening to the radio and a song that we used to dance to was being played and for miles I would weep. Or when I'd see my son run towards me and I'd see my husband's gait and his walk. And then she concludes her, her testimony this way. She said, this writing is a testimony to grief and to loss. She said, not to share our grief is to invite destruction, but to share it is to invite hope. That's what lament is. It's to invite hope into our situation as we are honestly lifting up our hearts to what we have no more. We have to lament. We have to be honest. We cannot run. And though the death of a loved one is the most poignant of our griefs. It is the hardest of griefs oftentimes to deal with. Sometimes there are griefs in our lives that are not a death of an individual, but it's a broken relationship, a change in what is going on in our lives. It is dealing with disappointment and disaster, and it hurts. I have a dear friend in Alabama uh, who I converse with regularly and he is still to this day dealing with the grief of a broken relationship with his daughter. They haven't spoken in over a decade. They haven't talked to one another in over 10 years. And he says the pain is palatable. I have stored up all the gifts that I have bought for her at Christmas on her birthday. I've kept the notes that have been returned to me in hopes that one day that I will be restored to her and she to me. But she is not as dead. She is as dead to him. Wow. Some may be facing that in the their own situation in life. You may not have lost somebody recently, but you may have a broken relationship that you need to lament. Fifty percent of the marriages in a country end in divorce. Fifty percent. Someone in the, within the sound of my voice either here or, or watching online may be experiencing that. No one comes down to the altar of a church or in some beautiful setting uh, saying, well, we're only going to make this last a few years. No, you come with hopes and dreams of a life happily lived ever after. And yet, in the midst of a marriage comes brokenness and hurt and division, misunderstanding, unfaithfulness. And there is hurt, disappointment. It's like a death. And too often, well, we turn to something else to satisfy ourselves in such situations. But have people going through that, have you lamented what you've lost? Taken time to name it, to share it. You know, I hear tell that there's some people in this room or online that are getting a little old, you know? Uh, there's some gray hair or lack thereof. And things don't work like they used to. Amen? 
Joints start to creak. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and Psalm 71 says this. It says, do not cast me off when I am aged. Do not forget about me. And that might be the lament of people that are in assisted living in their nursing home or are caught in their homes as shut-ins and don't get out. And he, am I forgotten about now that I am no longer useful? A lament of old age is Psalm 71. It, it, the psalm concludes by this, God, do not forget about me now that my hair is gray and I am old and I am feeble. Honesty about our situations in life and what we're dealing with is so important. Our griefs, our changes are many. Some might be lamenting that the fact that their child is about to head off to school and they've got the empty nest. And what does that mean? That's a different feeling in life. There are some that are lamenting the fact that they spent all their time working in a career and yet they're still disappointed. They, their dreams for their lives have not been fulfilled. We lament so many things. And yet we try to cover up our losses, our griefs with entertainment, with drugs, with trying to f just get away from it all. The only way we can experience hope with whatever we're dealing with is to be honest, invite God into the conversation, and lament. Eugene Peterson, in his commentary on this section, says this. He said, learn to lament. We are all Mortals, we and everybody are scheduled for death. Get used to it. Get used to it. Now, this is a hard phrase to say, but just because this is a hard sermon and it's, it's easy maybe to tune out, I want you to say this with me. I am scheduled to die. Can you say that? I am scheduled to die. That's not easy to say. All of us are on death row. All of us are on death row. And we, as we get older, well, we begin to lament what life might be like without us being around. That's why we share these things with God. That's why we give over what we're personally dealing with in our own lives, whatever loss it might be, with the Lord. So that in the midst of what we are dealing with, whether it is the loss of a dear loved one or it is the loss of a hope or a dream, the changing of our ambitions or the enfeebleness of our agedness, we can find hope in the midst of it. We've got to do this. We've got to be honest so that God can work in us. This lament of David is also a national lament. He, he talks about that, you know, Saul the king is dead. And then he talks about the people in Ashkelon and Gath celebrating. He can envision them that they, these 
Philistines, these uncircumcised ones, are now partying like they had just won the Super Bowl in their hometowns. They're carrying the, the, the instruments of war of the people of Israel with them, these trophies, these swords, these shields, these armor. They're parading around. Look what we've got. They've gotten some of the jewels from, from the king. Uh, they're taking with them the prisoners with their hands tied behind their back, parading them through these towns. They're going to be sold into slavery. Can you think of anything worse than the scene, the army that has just whipped you and killed your, your loved ones, celebrating that fact? David grieves over this. And it's not just his personal lament. He orders the people of Israel to learn this psalm of the bow, as he called it. It's recorded in the book of Jashar, which is an unknown writing that, like other things that are quoted in the Old Testament, we've lost. We don't know what this book of Jashar means. It does mean the book of the righteous in the Hebrew. We don't know what that means. We, we don't know where it is. But David said, y'all, memorize this because it's a tragedy. And you need to experience this humiliation and defeat and to claim it and to own it. Public lament is part of the scriptures. Jesus himself in, in Luke's gospel, he's there on Palm Sunday looking out over Jerusalem. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, that you would have claim that which now makes us for peace, but you have rejected it. Jesus is lamenting over his people there in Jerusalem. There are lots of public laments in the Psalms, usually about a defeat of the army. Psalm 44 is an example of this. Psalm 137 is a lament that comes from the time of the exile. It starts out this way, by the rivers of Babylon. We are being asked to play uh, the songs of Zion, but how can we play the songs of Zion in a foreign land? And David in Psalm 12 laments this. He laments that is there any godly people in our nation? Have all the faithful ones disappeared? He's lamenting the fact that people are not following after the ways of the Lord anymore in his mind. Of course, there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations. You want to get depressed Pull out that book. <laughs> it is page after page, line after line of, we believe, Jeremiah, writing about the experience of the siege of Jerusalem, describing in graphic detail of all the horrors that are going on within this city that can no longer sustain itself. And then after the land is conquered, he describes the Walls of Jerusalem being broken, the, the temple being destroyed, and people being hauled off into the bondage of exile. It's a hard book. And he's lamenting what's going on, honestly, before the Lord. We as a nation don't lament very well. We as a nation, nation don't take time to describe our pain and our suffering and our hurt very well. Maybe that's why there's so much anger and dividedness in our country right now. Because we haven't taken time to grieve what is on our hearts. The only time in my experience here that we've seemed united in our grief is after 
Those of you all were alive might remember that. We, we seem like we're all together in this national mourning over what happened at the two centers of our national power in New York and, and in Washington, D.C. My mom was alive uh, when Pearl Harbor happened. She was a teenager. And she said this to me. She said, you know, that what happened on 9-11 affected her a lot more than what happened at Pearl Harbor because she barely knew where Hawaii was. But she definitely knew where Washington, D.C. and New York City were. Yeah, we all seemed united in our grieving and our mourning at that time, didn't we? But we got to ask, did we grieve and mourn and lament truly? Do we lament long enough after those tragedies? It seemed like we were told, carry on with your life. We've done our, our service. We remember the fallen, but keep going on. Forget it. We have to ask ourselves, as we sent men and women off to fight in the wake of that, have we taken time to remember the many thousands that lost their lives to help us move forward as a country after 9-11? Have we taken time to lament the fact that there are young women and men whose mamas and daddies, wives, husbands, children are still feeling the effects of what we ask them to do in our name? And as we lament the fact that we ask now, did, was it all worthwhile as we see the results of all that? Do we lament that? Have we taken time to acknowledge our own sorrow? We have to ask ourselves, are we lamenting the increase in violence in our nation with the murder rates soaring and mass shootings on the rise? Have we ever lamented with the parents of children who were killed at schools? Going, have we ever thought about that? Or is it just a quick news story? Think about the moms and the dads at places like Uvalde and Sandy Hook. That hit home to me last summer when I was at Chautauqua. And this woman has given a presentation and then she shared, she said this, she said, my, I'm from Sandy Hook. My son was in the third grade. He lost his best friend that day. This year, they graduated from high school. My son is a valedictorian. And at his speech, he shared, he remembered his friend that should have been there that night, but who's no longer there with him. Wow. Do we lament the increase in the shootings? I know it hit home to me when I went to go across the street to Harden Park School. I had, it felt like going into Fountain Correctional Institution in Atmore, Alabama. Doors are locked. When you finally get in, the people were behind a thick glass, had to sign in. It's sad, y'all. I'm, I'm glad we're protecting the kids, but a place that we thought once was safe. feels like in some ways, if you're going there, it's like a prison. And in this place, our sanctuary, we're taking steps to keep everyone safe. And thank God for our security team that's working on that. My stars... This is a sanctuary, a place that we should feel safe, but yet sometimes maybe we don't. 
Do we grieve that? Do we mourn that? It's hard, isn't it? Wow. We lift up our laments. We lift up that which we grieve as people of faith, not as people without hope. For when we come into conversation with God with these complaints, well, we're not just airing dirty laundry like some Hollywood movie star. We're inviting God into these difficult situations which I've lifted and many others which come to your mind. And we're asking God to act like God can only act to bring us hope in situations and ways that we cannot even comprehend. That's the way God does. God sometimes brings hope in ways we can't anticipate. Like for these people of Israel in the time of Jeremiah, God bringing hope to an exiled people, forming a community of faith, forming a community of faith that thrived in a foreign land. God bringing salvation to a conquered people, not through a mighty, mighty warrior, but through a Bethlehem-born baby. God bringing release for all humanity, not some blaze of glory, but an old rugged cross. When we lament, somehow, some way, God acts. God can bring to us hope. It's interesting. In that long, long, sad book of Jeremiah, this book of Lamentations, as I said, goes page after page after page of what is very bad news. In the midst of it, in the middle of it, well, Jeremiah gives this proclamation of faith. It's here before you. That's pretty familiar words. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Therefore, I will have hope. Wow. In the saddest book of the Bible, Jeremiah, in the midst of his lamentations that he's going to continue to lament on because there's several more chapters after this, he says, in the midst of all this, I'm going to have hope. So friends, you're going to be invited as the praise band is playing great is thy faithfulness to share what you lament. It might be a personal lament. It might be a lament for our nation. But it's something that you honestly want to lift before the Lord. And as you do so, look to see how God's going to bring you hope. Because as we, as a community of faith, as we as Christians learn this language of lament, of being honest, invite God's hope into whatever situation we're dealing with as a nation, 
as a church and we have things to lament in our congregation, we do know that. But in order to move towards the future of, with hope, we got to be honest. And so we come forward. We come forward lamenting, learning this language of honesty with God. And as we practice this and receive hope through it, maybe, maybe our nation, which is so angry and bitter and divided, will learn to lament and experience hope too. Let us pray. We come before you, God, with hard stuff on our hearts. Because, God, we know that if we're honest, life sometimes is not easy. There's things we grieve in our own hearts. There's things that we grieve in our nation and in our world. There's things that we grieve, Father, uh, that we don't understand why they happen. But Lord, we present our grief and our sorrow to you, anticipating that somehow, some ways, we're honest with you, that you will work and give to us hope. So we come forward right now as your people, honestly sharing what's on our hearts so that uh, we can experience your grace that can give to us maybe even a glimmer of the light of hope in our lives, our nation, our world. We ask all this. And through Christ our Lord.